few verses, and we will press into them together. This is from the letter to the Hebrews, 12th chapter, first two verses. Hear the word of the Lord. Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily entangles, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith. All right, hear those words. You can be seated. These are the few moments each week where we get to sit under the preaching of the word. If you have a phone, turn that thing off, or at least silent. You won't need it for the next 30 minutes. You'll be fine. We're going to go right to those words of scripture in a second. There is a sense in which I am preaching this morning to the 20 moms and dads who are receiving and dedicating their sons and daughters. I'm going right at them today. True. But I am also preaching to everybody in here because the big truths in the text that we're going to work apply to everyone in this room. So this sermon is not just you watching, it is you receiving as well. Here's how I want to do this. I'm going to hit five big truths on being a father or a mother. Then we're going to move to the verses that I just read to you, and we're going to fuse all of that together and press it on your soul. Let's pray for grace. Father, be good to your people. May we hear the words fresh, new. Wherever there is repentance, may it come. If anyone is fragile in their faith in this room, make them strong, put steel in their back. And let my words just come in alignment with and nowhere else but your words. And knit our hearts together under the truth of the gospel. Give me humility and energy and accuracy and clarity, I pray. Amen. All right, here we go. Five big truths that will set the stage for receiving these kids. The first one is this. Children are not everything. Children are not everything. If you're smiling at me, that's good, because you're like, Cruz, what are you doing? We're about to receive 10 children into the church, and you're starting off with children are not everything. Yes, it's crucial that we understand this. John Calvin dropped his truth bomb one time. He said these words, the human heart is an idle factory. He was right on. What he means is that this thing right here works nonstop at replacing the true and living God with all these other little gods that we really prefer we just crank them out like a factory. Grace was talking with her spin class instructor the other day about Seven Mile Road and about church. She had played a song from Hillsong or somebody during the spin class. And the teacher said to her, oh, spin class is my church. Everybody feel that? What's happened in this woman's heart? Spin has become a, a central idol a place of joy in her heart. All right, now don't judge her. 
because we all do the same exact thing. We are constantly drawn to other gods, other places for joy, satisfaction, taking good things, making them ultimate things. We can do that with our children. This wasn't a big threat for years for Jesus' people because infant mortality rates were so high, you were very unlikely for your child to move through infancy to picture-taking stage. Even if you did have children, often they would not survive their first fever or their first flu. I was reading a biography when we were on vacation of a holy, holy man and his wife from the 1500s. They had five children, their son died in infancy, and their four daughters died on a shipwreck. They were 30 years old, and all their children were dead. Unlikely that they're going to see children as a great God and idol in their life, right? Not so American suburban parents, right? We are tempted to idolize our children, to build our entire lives around these kids, to tie our identity with their performance. You've heard it phrased before, right? What do we say? Oh, everything's about the kids now. Our life revolves around our kids. We're just staying together for the kids. You've heard that before. Two big problems with this. The first is that it displaces and it dishonors God. He is to have no rivals in your heart. None. Not even your children. The second is it kills your kids. They cannot handle that weight. They cannot be God to you. They need to know that they can mess up and fail and stumble, and you're going to be okay, we're going to be okay. Children are not everything. All right, second one. Children are a really big deal. Okay, some of you are like fighting with me right there, so we can land the plane on this. When you give yourself to marriage, and you give yourself to fruitfulness within that marriage, you are aligning yourself with the heart of God. From the beginning, God built heterosexuality into our design that a husband and wife would come together and through their physical union, he would take that sperm and that egg and infuse a soul and a new life would burst, image-bearing God onto the scene. Children were his intention, his thought, his idea. When you say yes to children, when we as a church say yes to children, we are embracing some of the purposes of God in this world. So don't make your children gods, but don't miss the glory and the wonder and the seriousness of what God has given you if he has allowed you to bear children. So today we have 10 moms and dads, I met with them before, downstairs, before the service, who are saying, we're in, we're going to love these children, whatever the cost to ourselves. We want to care for, provide, protect, disciple, discipline, nurture these kids. We are going to say no to our lusts and our comforts and our conveniences and our sleep and our independence, and we're going to give ourselves to these sons 
to these daughters that they may thrive. That is a beautiful thing. Thank you. All right, number three. Children are sinners who need the gospel. Now, they're going to mess with you when they're wicked little, right? Because this is not going to be totally intuitive. All those coos, all those giggles. You've seen some of the giant baby eyeballs on some of these kids. They just lay there and they stare at you. They have that new car smell, you know, little baby. They don't talk back. Trust me, they're just messing with you. Your kid is going to turn two and you're going to be like, that guy Cruz was exactly right. This kid makes Jack-Jack look like Mary Ingalls. Little house on the prairie, no? All right, thank you. Whoa. Then they turn 13 and you're like, I totally understand what total depravity is now. Don't be surprised at this. Your children are no different than you are or you were. They bear the image of God, but they're broken morally. This comes from their inheritance of Adam's nature and their own moral agency. As soon as they can, they will disobey. This is who they are. And so you got to trust me on this. What our sons and daughters need more than a warm bed with cute sheets and three good meals more than a new outfit from The Gap, although new outfits are totally fine. If you see me doing this all day, it's because these are the skinniest jeans I have ever worn in my life. <laughs> I tried to look good on Baby Dedication Sunday. I'm used to 1990s jeans, you know, with like a lot of room in there. More than cool outfits. More than a trip to Disney. Seriously more than two weeks at summer camp, more than braces, more than youth sports, more than private tutors, more than themed birthday parties. These are all good things, but there's something that they need much, much more. They need your unconditional love, and they need you leading them to the gospel. The mission statement of children's ministry in our church is loving our sons and daughters by leading them to the gospel. This is why we've got to pray for our kids. This is why we have to open our Bibles in our homes. This is why you have to be committed to the life of a church. It is literally oxygen in your children's lungs to be brought under the means of God's grace. Do not cut your children off from those means of his grace. They need that worse than anything. All right, number four. Raising children is a long, hard road. All right, there's going to be so much glory in this. The coolest, funnest, awesomest, wildest moments of your life are going to be wrapped up in your kids, them with you. We could regale each other all day with stories. Luca and Caleb and Jimmy and Jubilee, they're already Instagram stars. Have you seen these kids? They're not even like two. And they're like, so much joy. Yes, but hear me. I'm your pastor. I got to tell you the truth, right? 
there will be dark days. And I mean midnight at the bottom of a well, dark like that kind of dark. These kids are going to grow up to say things and do things that you will be like, where did this child come from? You're going to want a DNA test, right? Somebody prove to me that I'm related to this kid. Have you not had this conversation yet? She's your daughter. He's your son. Why do we speak that way? Children will exasperate you, confuse you, scare you, hurt you. All of your pettiness and your selfishness and your weakness and your unbelief will be exposed. Somebody beautifully confessed to me one time, I didn't know I was a screamer until I had children. That's how that works. There will be times when you are going to want to check out. Can I go down to Melrose Wakefield Hospital and return this child? <laughs> how long is the warranty? So here's the big idea that I need to finish with because those words are very true. This is the one I want to help you with this morning. Don't miss it. Here it is. Number five, you can do this. You can do this. You can be a good dad. You can be a good mom. You can have good gospel kids. Jesus, by his spirit, intends to get involved with your work. Beautiful stuff is going to happen. All right, with those five things in mind, I get a couple of minutes to unpack the verses that I read to you. I'm not giving you Genesis 2 or Deuteronomy 6 or Ephesians 5 or Luke 2 or Malachi 4 or all these other verses about parenting in the Bible. I'm giving you the next verse in the book of Hebrews that we are working through together. This verse does not address parenting in particular. It addresses the gospel life as a whole. But here's what I need you to believe me. These words apply to every individual pursuit within the gospel life. So whether you are thinking today about kicking an addiction or building a strong marriage or planting a church or raising a child, these big words apply in your little calling that is before you. The writer just finished wrapping up a whole chapter where he pointed to all these heroes of the faith and say, they did it. They stuck with Jesus until the end. And now he takes his pen and he looks right at the readers and he says these words, the central exhortation. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Okay, so can you feel the metaphor that he just threw at you? A race. You are in the race. How many people hear the word race and automatically think sprint? 50-yard dash. Carl Lewis, Usain Bolt, Michael Johnson. For some reason, I think that kind of a race when I hear this word race. Okay, get that out of your head. That is not this word. This is marathon. This is 10K. This is triathlon, you know, the bike, the running, the swimming. 
Long, hard, grueling race. There's two clues in the text that says this to us. The first is the word endurance. You see it in there? You don't need endurance in a 50-yard dash. Anybody can do that. But a marathon, you need endurance to finish that race. The other one is this great cloud of witnesses. You see that? Ever seen a marathon or been with a friend who was running a 5K and there's people cheering them all along the race? And then at the end of the race, who's at the finish line? Everybody that loves you and is like, you're out of your mind, but I'm here for you. You can do it. Grace ran a 5K up in Marblehead run time, one time, and me, Brandon, Julia, Callie, we were her fans. It was in a figure eight, so we were at the start. As soon as they hit the gun, we were her cloud of witnesses. And then we ran down the street, and we waited until they looped around, and we were like, come on, Mom, you can do it. And then we waited at the end of the race, and we were her cloud of witnesses. You feel that? No cloud of witnesses in a 50-yard dash, but a marathon, hugely important. So he is saying the gospel life is like a long, hard race. Okay, where are the masochists in this room that like to run long races? Jill, Levi, Patty, Paul. I forget how to pronounce your name, brother, but Iceland, he's running circles around the island. All right. I don't know what to do with you people. I love you, but what in the world? I'm much more like, put me on a basketball court and I can go for four straight hours with no Gatorade because it's short sprints, but 5K is tough for me. At my college, they made you run a 3K every semester. You know what they called it? This is an equivocation. You ready? The fun run. <laughs> I'm like, hey, I'm here for the fun run. Okay, great, you're going to run three miles. Here we go. I'm like, wait, wait, fun run? What's the problem with long races? They're hard. Maybe the first mile is okay, but after that, what's the one thing that is a danger in your mind? I want to quit. I want to quit. I want to quit. That's where these readers were of this letter, Heartbreak Hill. They were almost bailing on Jesus. It had gotten so difficult to stick with their confession to Christ. And the author is saying to them, you can do this. You can do this. Let us run this race all the way to the end. And then he does not give them self-help, but he gives them gospel. He tells them you can do this, but he's not appealing to their selves He's appealing to the gospel. Let's make sure that we get this down in our heads very clearly. This is weird because I'm going to say a bad word with our fourth graders in here. So nobody repeat this word. I'm just quoting what someone else said. All right. I was in the Atlanta airport and I was looking at the books on the shelves and I picked up this one book and here's what it said. Self-help book. You are a bad ass. Stop doubting your greatness and start living an awesome life. That was the title of this book. And as soon as I read it, something in me went like this. Oh. And, and I had a little dialogue with this book. I was like, yeah, this Jennifer girl is right. I got this. Let me buy this book and read a little bit more about how awesome I am and this awesome life that I should start living. That's self-help. 
Who's the hero of the story? The self. What's the commands? Believe in yourself. Trust yourself. Look to yourself. This is total crap. It doesn't work except for the person who's writing the book or giving the seminars. The funniest thing about self-help is they make all their money on who? Repeat customers. It didn't help the first time, but I'm going to try it again. But it's enticing. It's alluring. Who doesn't love to be told, you are awesome, so start living an awesome life? The gospel is something else entirely. The gospel, if it was a book, would say this to you. You are deeply flawed, but deeply loved child of God. So stop messing with your sin and start looking to Jesus. That's how a gospel help book would read. You are called to some huge things, and you can do this, but not because of you, because of Christ in you. Who's the hero of that story? It's Christ. So believe in Christ. Trust Christ. Look to Christ. Two completely different ways of saying you can do this. This is the one that we see in the text. Two things. Here's the first one. He says, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely. Anybody ever try and run a long way with like a giant backpack on? Anybody ever do that? My brother and I, we were uh, in college, we were flying to Tulsa through Houston from Boston. And the flight was wicked delayed and like we could see how delayed it was. And so we made a pact with each other. And I said, okay, as soon as the plane stops at the gate, if you will sprint up in front of everybody and get off first and run through the airport and bar the doors of the next flight we were supposed to jump on, I'll get your bags and I'll meet you there. So the plane came to the gate. He goes running down the aisle, sneaks into the front seat, and he gets off. So now I have my backpack and his backpack, and I have my wheelie and his wheelie, and here I go running through the Houston airport. I am knocking people out of wheelchairs. I am knocking carriages over. I am sweating profusely. I lost one of the four bags. I ended up just with three. Terrible idea to try and run a race with all that baggage. This is that image. Come on, you can do this, but let go of the baggage that's going to slow you down. And then he gets explicit about what he means by that. He says, the sin which so easily entangles or clings so closely. Anybody ever try to run with your shoelaces untied or like bell bottoms and stuff just flapping around down there? You can't do it, right? I used to coach basketball. I had to give it up to play at the church. I miss it. But at one of the tryouts, this kid Ray showed up. And Ray came to the basketball tryouts in khaki pants, a button-down white shirt, and you know those brown shoes where you're not sure if they're sneakers or shoes, it's like something in the middle, and his laces were completely untied. 
And Ray's out there trying to run suicides, and his laces and his shoes and everything's just flopping all over the place. I'm like, Ray, Ray didn't make the team. It's the same thing with us. You want to be a great dad, great mom, you want to finish the gospel course. We're fighting our sin every day, all the way down. Don't let it entangle you. I know that it's so hard for you dads and moms because you just want, like, give me just the 10 things that I need to do, right, to be a great parent and make sure that these kids aren't crazy. Just give me the skills or the tricks or the silver bullet. Just tell me what to do and then I'll do that. That's not how this works. Here's what your children need more than anything. And this verse screams it to us. Here it is. The holiest possible version of you. That's what they need. They need the holiest possible version of you, exactly as you are. They need a dad and mom who are disentangling themselves from idols and sin and seeking to be kind and strong and compassionate and generous and patient with them. Not a mom and dad with all the tools in the toolkit first. They just need a mom and dad who love and fear the Lord. That's what they need from you. And so he says, don't look to yourself. Die to yourself so that you might be a great servant to your kids. And then the second exhortation is this, last one, looking to Jesus. I flipped all the pages of the B-A-D-A-S-S book, and I didn't see any chapter about looking to Jesus. Looking to Jesus, the author or the founder and the perfecter of our faith. A self-help pastor would tell you to look where? Inside, you got this. A gospel-centered pastor always tells you to look where? Away from yourself. Look to Christ. He's got this. He is the founder and the perfecter of our faith. In the metaphor, we would say he is the starter and the finisher of our faith. This is true in two different ways. The first one is this. Jesus has already run this race and finish this race for us. Receive it that way first. Whenever the start of this race was, maybe it was in the councils of the Trinity before there was time when they covenanted together to save us. Maybe it was the first Christmas when Mary gave birth to this little baby boy. Maybe it was Jesus' baptism when the Spirit rushed on him and he was empowered for his race. Maybe it was the first time that he stood in the synagogue and he read the words of Isaiah and he said, those words have just become true in me. Here we go. I am here. Whenever the start of Jesus' race was, he began the race that we were all called to and he finished that race perfectly. Don't forget the words of Christ on the cross as he atoned for sin, offering up his perfectly obedient life in your place. He yelled, it is finished. It's finished. Three days later, he ascent, rose and ascended 
and sat down. When do you sit? When the work is done. Dad and mom and everybody else in here, I need you to rest in those words today. You have nothing to prove to yourself or anybody in this room. Nobody is gauging the awesomeness of your performance or how perfect your children look and act week after week. Drop that nonsense. You are secure because you are in Christ. He is the founder and the perfecter of the gospel. He has begun and finished the race for us. Rest there. And then these words also mean that Jesus, by his Spirit, is your helper in the race. He's the one who got it started. It's a total miracle that you would care to be anywhere near a church or the gospel. Miracle. Look where you live. But he has burst something in you, set a flame in you, begun something in you. And what he has begun in you, he intends to finish in you. That is the gospel life, and that is our fatherhood and our motherhood. However this has happened, it is God who has enabled it to begin, and he is the one who will finish this course with us. It is with those hopes, that gospel in mind, that we give ourselves to everything, including the dedication of our children. All right, so let's be clear on what's going to happen as we pray over these children and their parents together. Here's what it's not. Not a sacrament. Jesus did not say, sometime within the first two years, make sure that you pray for your kids in front of the church. We have two sacraments. We love them. This is an open-handed freedom that we have, and we're choosing to do this as a church, but it's not a command of Jesus. There is no hocus-pocus, magic, silver bullet, anything happening today. Just because you dedicate your child doesn't mean all good from there. There's nothing mystical in that sense. These parents are not putting God into their debt by having a religious ceremony. Nothing like that. And this is not just a cute photo op. I hope you take a thousand pictures of these kids, but that's not what today is. Here's what today is. It's a threefold dedication. It is dad and mom committing themselves to God, to each other, to this baby, and to the church, saying we are in with raising this child in the fear of the Lord. Gospel, 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 gospel. We are dedicating ourselves. Number two, it is a baby being dedicated to the Lord. Your child does not belong to you. You are a steward. Your child belongs to the living God. When you dedicate them, you're just going, yes, I understand that. I'm going to be the best steward I can, but you have ownership of this child. We recognize that fact. And then if you're not up here and you're in the church, you are dedicating yourself to these families. Whatever it takes, whatever they need, that you're going to be here for them to love them in this long, hard road that they are giving themselves to. All right, so here's what's going to happen. I'm going to pray, 
then the band is going to start coming up. And if you have children, you've got to go get them as fast as possible and get them up here. And the band's going to sing a song while we do that. Then we'll invite all the families up to the front. We'll stand together and pray for these kids. And then we'll finish our worship at the table and in song. All right, let's pray over the word first together. Let's pray. Jesus, forgive us for all the rivals in our souls for your glory. And I pray that you would evict them today. If we're under the preaching of the word, we are not too far from the saving grace of God. So I pray that all of us would see the unmatched glory of God in Christ. That not even our children would infringe upon that. I pray that you would be with us in this difficult pursuit of raising children in this crazy, rebellious city in 2018. Give us courage. Give us joy. Give us unity. Give us strength. I pray that we would remember every day we're in a race, but we don't have to quit. We can do this by looking to Jesus. Hear my prayer to be a reminder of us, of those things, I pray. Amen.